from the 80s, the first broadcast. Uh, my name is Jeff Kidd. I am your host, and I am the original Black Ninja Geek from the 80s, but I am not the only one. My brothers both in, are included in that, and our longtime friend, Jermaine Jones, officer and MBA. <laughs> so, you know, we're coming off shape, size, and colors and everything. So, uh we say from the eighties because we uh we you know we really live this thing man we we're always functioning like we're still in the eighties uh we do a lot of things together got a superhero club we uh go see the marvel and d c movies together just everything uh the kids all of our kids are virtually eighties kids they grew up on the music the movies everything I mean, honestly, my kids know the lyrics to the songs better than I do. You know, you sing a song, you just hum along when uh, you don't know the words. Well, they actually know the words. So uh, we give them honorary 80s status as well. Uh, and what I want to do today is just give you a little background on myself and my geek credentials. And then what we're going to do is talk about uh, a topic my brother Jules and I came up with when we were texting each other and we were uh, talking about real bad guys from the movies. And I'll get into that in a minute. But uh, to start with, I just want to go over some things about myself and why I feel I'm a geek. So grew up on the south side of Chicago. Uh, that's where the ninja part comes in because you couldn't grow up on the south side of Chicago and not have a backbone. So although we were geeks, we were not the type of geeks that you wanted to mess with. Uh, we would fight back. So we were ninja geeks. And the geek part came in where you, when we started talking about the things we liked, they were classic 80 things. Uh, my favorite show was Ultraman. Ultraman with the beta capsule. Actually, that was, I think his name was... Hero, I cannot remember his name right now, but he had the beta capsule, and uh, when Ultraman accidentally killed him, he merged his DNA with this guy and gave him the beta capsule, so whenever he uh, needed to, he could turn into Ultraman and fight giant monsters from outer space. So, I mean, Ultraman was like some type of uh, intergalactic cop, sort of like Green um, Lantern the Green Lantern Corps, because there were more than one of Ultraman. There were other Ultra guys, which we find out later. <laughs> um, my brother and I used to write programs on our Tandy TRS-80 computer, the little gray box that you bought from Radio Shack. Uh, with that computer, we did some amazing things. We made some amazing games, and we also would share them at times with kids we we're on a chat room with uh, in Japan and other places. Uh, it was really something. You know, we, at that time, we were uh, 
doing stuff that very few kids in our community could even fathom. Uh, the chat rooms we used to go on were, uh, I believe it was Prodigy was the the software, and it was all text. There was no World Wide Web, the graphics and stuff. They We didn't have that stuff, man. Nothing was pretty back then. It was just all text. But we were we were we were in, you know. Kind of got away from it a little bit later. I wish we had a state involved a little uh, a, a little deeper. Uh, I guess it didn't matter because we both ended up in tech fields anyway. But uh, my favorite game was Dungeons and Dragons, the version that was on the Intellivision video game. I don't know if you guys remember that one. And my favorite arcade game was Donkey Kong. Favorite movie was E.T., the extraterrestrial. That's right. E.T. Uh, when I got to high school, uh, they called me Professor Kid. That's what they referred to me as. The reason was because I was really small. When I graduated from uh, eighth grade, I was four foot eleven and a half. And I was the only freshman and an upperclassman block of classes. So I was little I was a little guy for an eighth grader. So just imagine I'm in class with sophomores and juniors uh, because of advanced math and science I took. And, you know, they couldn't believe it. Like, look at this little guy with these glasses and he, he's smart as heck, you know. So I don't know. I think it was more of a compliment. Uh, I think some of the guys would tease me with it, but uh yeah, I didn't get picked on at least, but uh, you know, Professor Kid. Uh, what do you say about that, huh? Now, um, my favorite book now is Ready Player One by Ernest Klein because it is centered on the '80s. The whole entire book. If you saw the movie, you kind of get that. But the movie doesn't do the book justice. If you haven't read the book, please read it. The movie doesn't do it justice. I, I, I didn't really enjoy the movie that much. As much as I like Steven Spielberg, it was just not my cup of tea. So that's a little bit about me. You get an idea about why I think I'm a geek. And you get an idea of where the ninja part comes in. And uh, you also get a feel for why we say we're ninja geeks from the 80s, because we love the 80s and we love dwelling in the 80s, even in this day and time. It was a great decade, uh, one of the most pivotal in the 20th century. So uh, why don't we get on to leading up to our discussion today, which is the real bad guys in movies. You know, this is a list of bad guys that are real people and what i mean by that is um they don't have superhuman power so we're not talking about the darth vaders of the world we all know darth vader is probably the most classic bad guy there is but uh he's not who we're talking about here um we want to concentrate on people who are humans that just enjoy hurting people they fill a space inside of themselves by hurting others. But uh, it doesn't qualify everyone because, you, you know, some bad, some people we think of as bad guys, they, they're bad people, but uh, they're not completely deranged. And, uh, you know, those are the folks that we want to focus on. 
So who would that qual- who would that qualify? Well, I'll tell you a way to 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 get you to understand a little better is talk about who it doesn't qualify. So I think a good example would be a guy like uh, Vincent from Collateral, uh, the character played by Tom Cruise. He uh, is ex-military, so uh, he uses his skills to do something that's illegal, to enrich himself, to make himself uh, a comfortable life. And a lot of the people on the list uh, fit a similar pattern, but the only thing is Vincent um, isn't constantly killing. He has a, a season he kills in, makes his money, and he disappears for quite some time. And the one thing that happens in the movie that convinces me he doesn't qualify for this list is uh, Max, the character played by Jamie Foxx. Uh, he mentions that he has uh, a mother in the hospital. And, um, you know, to make a long story short, Vincent basically uh, pushes him to go see his mom and bring her flowers. And uh, my interpretation of that scene, and I could be wrong, but uh, my interpretation of that scene is that Vincent is giving Max an opportunity to see his mom <clears throat> before he kills him. Because he does have to kill Vincent. He's not going to be able to let him live because Vincent's seen him. And that's one of the things that has allowed him to be so successful. Is no one knows what he looks like. And his employers have never even seen him. So uh, even though he's using Max to get around town to make you know, get his jobs accomplished and get his money, um, he still has to make sure Max disappears. But that little nugget makes me think that Vincent has some level of human compassion still inside of him. And it's not something he truly enjoys in killing folks. He just looks at it as, Hey, I kill for the country. I can do it for myself too. And I can separate myself from the, um, and rationalize these things I do for money. So Vincent wouldn't qualify for this list based on that, but yeah, I could be wrong. Like I said, you can, you can give us your feedback and, uh, you know, we can make a discussion of it. You know, you can email us at black ninja geeks from the eighties at gmail.com. And, you know, we could look at your comments and maybe even post some of them on the, uh, blog or website and, uh, discuss some of them on the next podcast. So, um, take an opportunity to do that if you can, because in the future, what we'll do is try to make it possible for people to call in when we're recording the podcast. Um, and my brother Jules will be um, a frequent guest uh, because he's, he's really a co-host, but he won't be here all the time. And um, we're going to have some call in uh, guests at times. So we'll, we'll make, make a little fun thing out of this just to express ourselves and give a point of view that that's not prevalent out there. Uh, the point of view of a lot of different subjects, social, cultural, political, and, and so on, relationship stuff, from the Black Ninja Geek perspective, if you will. Um, so look look forward to that, you guys, because we're really going to get into it. Now, at this point, we want to take a little bit of a break so we can uh, reorganize a little bit, and we'll be right back. Thank you. 
we're back. And we're going to go ahead and discuss this list. Um, and this is in no particular order, just uh, singling, out, singling out some characters from different movies uh, that we thought would fit into what we were talking about. So number one on our list, it's not just one person. It's actually a group of people from a, a, one of my favorite movies, The Crow. So the first person is Top Dollar, and the people along with him are the Jolly, what we call the Jolly Pirate Gang, and we only refer to them as that because uh, um, uh, Dra Draven, Eric Draven, uh, when he talks to the uh, the pawn shop owner and he tells them their names, he says, you know, a whole jolly gang with jolly pirate names. So we call them the jolly pirate gang. And we're referring to as uh, T-Bird, Funboy, Skank, and Tintin. And Top Dollar is the uh, boss uh, played by Michael Wincott. You guys seen him in so many movies as the bad guy. I think I don't think uh, Michael Wincott gets to play a good guy very often at all, uh, even a neutral character. He's just got this sinister look and the raspy voice that just fits as a villain all the time. But this is probably one of his best villains, if not the best one he's played. Uh, he just really has no regard for human life, just chaos is is, uh, he's on the level of a, uh, a character like the Joker as far as the chaos he likes to create. And um, I mean, if you think about it, he he pays these guys to just burn things on Devil's Night. Yeah, and there's no, they don't make a, a lot of money out of that. It's just to create chaos and, and havoc, rain havoc all over the city. And these guys that are his primary bad guys, the Jolly Pirate Gang, Clearly, these guys um, really um, have no regard for anyone and they have no regard for life and they enjoy, you know, hurting people. Uh, for example, Tintin, when uh, Eric is about to run him off the pier in his car, you, he quotes Milton by saying, abashed, the devil stood and felt how awful goodness is. You know, that's a heck of a statement to make, you know, to, how awful goodness is. I mean, come on. And Tintin, when uh, Eric is about to kill him, uh, at one point, Tintin gets the upper hand a little bit. And he says uh, to uh, Eric, let me tell you about murder. It's fun. It's easy. And it's fun. Come on, man. You know, does he, he tell me he doesn't qualify for this list? I mean, this guy is telling the person he thinks he's about to kill how fun and easy murder is, you know? So he's absolutely uh, a guy that belongs on this list. And I don't think any of the other guys say anything quite on that level, but uh, it's, it's pretty obvious. They're all in the same boat together. Uh, number two on the list uh, is Anton Chigurh played by Javier Bardem. And no country for old men. Um, and this guy, Javier Bardem, for this role, he doesn't even look like remotely like himself. He prepared for it in such a way that uh, the character, Anton Chigurh, looks possessed almost. And he functions that way. And as a matter of fact, 
the thing that convinced me he belongs to this list is the, the fact that he was going to kill the gas station owner um, just to make a point about how chance plays a role in someone's fate. You know, when he had the coin and he was like, call it, you know, and uh, I, I thought that was just the most insane thing I had seen in a long time in a movie. And it's convinced me that he's a character that belongs on this list of really bad guys. Uh, Albert Gans from 48 Hours, played by James Remar. He's uh, also one of those guys that I don't know if he can be cast as anything other than some type of a bad guy. I do believe I've seen him cast as a detective before. But... uh, no, uh, when he played Dexter's father in Dexter, I don't know if you guys know that show, Dexter, about the serial killer who kills other serial killers. Those are his victims, and his dad is played by James Remar. But that's about the most sane I can remember seeing him in a movie. But as Albert Gans in 48 Hours, uh, he and his Billy, buddy Billy are just ready to kill at will. And chaos is something that seems uh, to that they think is their obligation to the world. I mean, money plays a role in their actions. Absolutely. That's clear in the movie, but you know, they seem to be ready to kill at a drop of a dime and to just keep the world moving on its axis, you know, those type of guys. Uh, so they definitely fall into that category for me, at least that uh, they're just truly bad guys that enjoy killing, hurting other folks. And it feels some type of uh, function as far as satisfying something inside themselves. And then uh, number four, we go with Clarence Boddicker, uh, played by Kurt Wood Smith in uh, RoboCop, the uh, first RoboCop. Um, he's the one that kills. He ultimately uh, kills Alex Murphy. Uh, he didn't die, but um, they saved his brain or whatever. But he gave him, he, he put the final salvo into his brain. So, you know, although Clarence seems to be motivated by money as well, you know, it's something in his demeanor that suggests that he would be doing what he's doing, even if money wasn't coming in, you know. Uh, but he's a little bit trickier because he, he really seems to be motivated by money. But you have to look deeper into his character uh, when you watch the movie and you can tell that this guy would be doing this regardless you know, he's, he's got a real love for carnage, and especially the carnage that he he uh, brings to the uh, Detroit area in the movie. And like my favorite rapper, Karis One, says, the cash is incidental but not meant to distract you, of course. I mean, that's kind of how I look at Clarence. You know, the money is just incidental for what he likes to do. Uh, another really vile character, uh, probably one of the more violent, spooky characters on the list for me, Alex DeLarge, uh, played by Malcolm McDowell in A Clockwork Orange. Um, he's just a sick puppy, you know, the things he does in this movie, uh, beyond the pale, really, uh, but certainly not beyond anything you've heard in the real news about someone doing, but it's just, just frightening to see sometimes uh, how well a person can portray a deranged individual on the screen. Uh, the singing in the rain scene uh, where they're playing singing in the rain in the background. Um, it's, it just shows how indifferent his character is to violence on another person. And it really, it's one of those scenes that can really creep you out. Uh, so if you haven't seen a clockwork orange, it's a bit of a strange movie, but it's, 
it's a classic, and that character is probably one of the more classic sick people you'll ever see in a movie. Uh, next on the list is Nurse Ratchet, uh, and Nurse Ratchet, she really could be considered one of the uh, worst people on this list because of the fact that she doesn't actually kill anyone with her own hands, but the way she treats the characters that are in her care in the psych ward, um, you know, she pushes one of them to commit suicide himself. And her 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 cruelty is so palpable watching her, the ice in her veins, the coldness in her heart, it comes across. I mean, Louise Fletcher, when she plays role, and she's a really nice lady if you've ever seen her in an interview. Um, um, she's, she's just unbelievable in this role. Uh, as she's, I would, I, I would hope I would never run across a nurse ratchet in my life, at least. Uh, next on the list, we're going to go with Lil Dice. And this character is played by Leandro Fermino de Ora, uh, in the movie City of God. If you haven't seen City of God, it's a subtitle movie, so... I know for some folks, subtitle movies are a little tough, but it is really a great movie. Some of the best movies you'll see come off as like documentaries, and that's kind of how City of God comes off. Uh, Lil Dice or Lil Z, I think that's what he wanted to call himself later on in the movie, but um, he was just a straight-up serial killer because when he was young, a group of him and uh, some older friends were going to rob people at a hotel, and he actually causes a distraction that brings his friends because they left him as a lookout, brings them out of the hotel and run and they can't find him. So they just take off, but he did it so that he could go into the hotel and kill everyone. Um, just murder everybody there and just watch the bodies while they just laying there, you know? So, I mean, he was really sick. He grew up to be like a, a ruthless, vicious drug dealer in the community and one of the, the uh, ghettos down there. And, uh, and Brazil, so he was very bad. Ah, got to see it though. The movie was awesome. So next is another lady, uh, Mama from Dread, the real Dread, the Carl Urban version of Judge Dread, uh, not the Sylvester Stallone. That's not the real version. That's the joke version. So Mama is a drug dealer as well, but. Uh, similar to Lil Dice in the City of God, she's she's uh, um, somewhat of a serial killer from what I can tell. And she absolutely does the killings as something to make her feel better about what's going on inside her mind. And the drugs and the money is just incidental. Again, it's just incidental. I mean, you be the judge of it. Take a look at the movie and see what you think. But that's what I saw. I saw a great white shark that was waiting for a bigger shark to come along and kill her if it could, you know. Um, uh, let's see. Next, uh, this is a kind of um, a less known character, Pluto, played by Michael Beach uh, from the movie One False Move. Uh, he's really a secondary character, really, maybe even less than that, but he's a sidekick of... Uh, Billy Ray Thornton's character in the movie. And uh, he's really sadistic and stoic. Uh, he doesn't say a lot, but in this one scene where they go and take cocaine from a group, uh, they're stealing their cocaine. 
um, he stabs uh, a, a girl um, really slowly, you know, puts ties her up and almost caresses her and stabs her in a way um, as if he's trying to be gentle. But you can see the enjoyment in his face. Pluto is one of those really low-key sinister characters uh, that I, I I personally think that's why Michael Beach has been able to continue to garner roles over the years because of his ability to create that character. So um, he's really got some acting chops. He's a nice guy. Uh, at least he seems to be nice, but to create a character like that, you have to have some real acting chops because he ran a cold chill up my back. Um, and the last character we'll talk about is Earl Talbot Blake from the movie Ricochet, played by John Lithgow. If you guys remember, John Lithgow's always playing somebody's dad. He's playing a goofy, sweet dad character, but he was one of the worst bad guys. I mean, this guy created an elaborate game to take down Nick Styles and ultimately kill him uh, instead of just getting out and killing him like, you know, uh, regular killers do. Nah, this guy had to make an elaborate game to ruin Styles' life to, in order to get revenge before he ultimately killed him. So that in itself made him a totally different type of character as far as killers go. And so you you know he was doing all of this for his own personal enjoyment. So he definitely belongs on this list. So that's it for me uh, as far as the list goes and my, my brother, Jules. So if you have anybody that you think goes on this list or you have any comments about this list at all, um, about how stupid it was or anything like that, just email us at black ninja geeks from the eighties at gmail.com. And, you know, we'll definitely be looking for it. Um, but we're going to go ahead and end this broadcast today. And, uh, the next broadcast will be a week from this broadcast and we'll talk about something new and hopefully we'll have Jules in the studio with us at that time to add a little more flavor to the discussion. But until then, uh, I guess I'll just take you guys out on my personal anthem um, from the 80s. See ya.